If you're a freelancer, contractor, agency, or consultant, you know the pain of billable hours. I'm guessing you've also dreamt of productizing your knowledge in some way. If you've tried to package up your advice, then you'll know how hard that can be. In this episode, I'm talking with Asanatu Barry, who is the babysitter guru. Asanatu is taking her experience as a New York City babysitter and servicing the babysitting community with advice that's often hard to find and often not openly shared. Welcome to Fractal Marketing. My name is Jared Doyle, and this is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to grow their company through smarter marketing. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with marketing tips, strategies, and insights to enable you to grow your business. You'll hear from fellow entrepreneurs who share their learnings and insights on how they're growing their businesses. You'll also hear from marketing professionals who'll give you easy to execute marketing advice. And of course, you'll be hearing from me. You might be an accountant, a graphic designer, a recruiter, a startup founder, or even a babysitter. But if you're the best kept secret in your industry, then your business is just not going to grow. Let's get straight into the episode. So welcome to the episode. Hi, I'm so happy to be here and to join you. It's great to have you here too. And I'm really excited to understand how your business works. So first things first, let's get straight into your pitch. And you can tell everyone who's listening what the Babysitter Guru is and what it does. Of course. So hi, everyone. My name is Hasna Tubari, and I'm the founder of the Babysitter Guru, which is an informational hub for babysitters to seek resources and guidance in becoming the best babysitter they could possibly be, and also assist parents in their transitions into seeking quality childcare. I love that pitch. That just rolled off your tongue. You've said that plenty of times, haven't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now, so your target market, your target persona, babysitters, these are the people you're educating and you're schooling up. Is there a geographical restriction for babysitters? Or have you got like a global ambition for this business? I see it as going global, to be quite honest with you. I mean, you could be a babysitter anywhere from the age of 11 up until 22 years old. So that's a huge age gap where I feel like everyone can relate. Why not start as your first job as a babysitter, right? You're dealing with the little ones, you have a love for children, and then also you could make a little money on the side. So it's a global, it's a global thing for me. I love that. I've got a 10-year-old daughter who's about to turn 11. She's sort of two weeks away from turning 11. And so you sort of pitched her in that market. Now, I don't want her babysitting. I'm quite happy for her <laughs> not to do that. But she's read all the Babysitter Club books. And I know if she heard this, and she's not going to, that she would be straight up and saying, Daddy, I'm ready to go. Let's make some money. I'm paying my own way. So... <laughs> I love the independence. I love it. <laughs> and you know what? She actually would, would be really good at it too. So I won't I won't dampen the spirit too much. <laughs> so what I'm keen to talk about is when you you obviously decided this is the business that you wanted to do, what was the problem that you identified that led you to creating the business? Sure. So majority of my information and research is done directly you know, through parents, through babysitters, whether that's talking to them, whether it's doing a Facebook poll, whether it's just, you know, communicating with them through email. I love getting my research directly from the individual themselves. So I just recently did a Facebook poll and I do this every week with parents in Facebook groups. And I asked, I said, you know, why are parents sometimes hesitant in hiring a babysitter? And 70%, that was a, out of 120 parents, stated that they are hesitant in hiring a babysitter because, you know, they can't trust them all the way, right? You have this individual, this is your heart, this is your everything, your child. And it's kind of hard to put your full blown trust into someone to take care of them when you're away, whether you're at work, on vacation, running an errand, on a date night, you want someone to care for your child, especially if you don't have a family member or friend to do it for you, right? 
So I saw that there's a lack of training that babysitters have because you could start as early as, you know, 11 years old, but there's a lot of training that goes into caring for another human being when the parent's not there. So I want to focus on training babysitters as much as I can because I myself started at the age of 16, but I kind of received my training from in-house because I come from a large West African family. So I'm always surrounded by cousins, nieces, aunts, and uncles. So that's how I got my training from in-home. However, there's others who kind of need that training from outside. So that's where I came about in discovering a problem. Right. So if I understand that correctly, we're talking here about it's the parents who sort of the problem resided in the parents not being able to know, I guess, the qualifications and the stand and the education of the babysitters. So so you're schooling up the babysitters, but for the benefit of the parents so that they're more able to, I guess, select the best of the best. Is that the right idea? Yes. And then there's also from the babysitter's perspective, some babysitters, sometimes when they do become babysitters, at times they don't know the information that they need. So in terms of what to charge per hour, depending on the state that you live in, or what responsibilities are given to you once responsibilities that are a bit too far, are you being compensated for it? How to navigate that communication in regards to if you have to leave your current position as a babysitter to another family, how to have and maneuver that conversation with the parents. So it goes both ways for babysitters and parents. Right. And so you'd be developing a lot of trust and and authority with those babysitters because you're schooling them and and encouraging them and teaching them and guiding them through those awkward moments because it is a bit, you know, it's one thing to get a babysitting gig. It's another thing to ask for payment or Mm -hmm. discuss how you might be let go or how you want to quit and those kind of things. So I guess that puts you in a a privileged position of knowledge and power in that relationship, which, you know, is a good thing for a business, right? (laughs) You're in that position, so you get to charge. Now, if I understand, so just so I understand correctly, the customers where you make your money, that's in the consulting to the babysitters. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And is it consulting? Is it courses? Is it programs? Is it authorizations, certifications, or all of the above? So as of now, is consulting. Within the new year in January 2020, I'll be releasing a babysitting course of my own. So that would be another portion of the service as well, where in addition to consulting them, I'll also have the babysitting course, where they'll be able to purchase it and go through the training course that I review a lot of the important key information that babysitters need. And then towards the end, they receive a certificate of completion. Right. I love this because this is, for me, this is one of my favorite topics is the idea of productizing a service. Mm-hmm. So it's something that you would do and you consult and then you say, well, there's only so many hours I have in a day. How do I productize what I do? And that's what a course gives you. But a course in itself is, it sounds great, but it's hard to sell. And I guess what you're doing now is establishing credibility. You're putting your stake in the ground, so to speak, and producing the content first. And the course comes a little bit after, which I think is the right way to approach it. So now I'm curious when it comes to creating a course, have you looked at programs and platforms or are you following guidelines or are you going to sort of write this yourself and it's all going to be done bespoke from the ground up? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I recently purchased an additional course, which is called Course from Scratch, where they teach you how to build your own course. So that's a bit heavy right now. So I'm kind of in the process of doing it. I commit about five hours a day and going through each module and deciding and how to grow my own course. It does take a bit of time and it's a bit intimidating when I first (laughs) purchased the course myself to teach myself how to create my own course, right? Because you kind of want to be independent in that process and kind of, you know, be in the process and creating your own course because it is yours. It's telling your story, your expertise. So yeah, so right now I'm in the position of doing that right now, and hopefully I'll be completed by January 2020, so we'll be all set from there. 
That's a great goal. I, I've had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to do the same kind of thing. And I'm doing that slow education on courses and how you put them together. And it sounds so simple when you start. And then as you dig in a little bit deeper, you go, actually, there's a lot in this. This isn't quite as straightforward as I thought it was going to be. So credit to you for um, setting such a short timeline for yourself. I hope to see you achieve that one. Thank you. It's a bit intimidating too, because it's a lot of work, especially if you don't hire someone to do it and you're doing it on your own. You're investing yourself, you're investing your time. So yeah, so hopefully, hopefully it gets done by the new year, but I'm determined it will get done by then. Great. So when you get out into the market, you've got your course, you've got your consulting, what's the competition? What's the alternatives that babysitters have out there at the moment to the services you're, you're currently offering and you're planning to offer? What If you didn't exist, where would these babysitters go? And then how are you better than that, I guess, is the question. Yes. So currently what I offer, it's offered to nannies only. One of the main reasons why I even decided to start the babysitter group, because I saw that there were so many resources and information and services for nannies, but there was none for babysitters. And I found that interesting because babysitters happen to be the number one short-term option for parents, right? Compared to nannies because of the price range, that's number one. And for babysitters, they're on call. You call them when you need them, where nannies is more of a commitment. So I thought that there was not enough resources for babysitters and I wanted to create this platform. So currently there isn't a market for babysitters. However, there is a market in terms of the course creation. So through like the Red Cross, the Red Cross has a credible babysitting course. But my course is a course created for babysitters by a babysitter. Everything that I talk about, everything that I put into my course, I've experienced myself. And I've known other babysitters who also have the same issue and also has questions about it. So that's what I put into my course. So directly right now, my competition would be Red Cross. But then also nannies and babysitters, we all love each other. We're all within the same group. We have a compassion in caring for children. However, the age gap and then also the responsibilities and commitments a bit different between nannies and babysitters. It's interesting you say that because we mentioned just before we started recording, I've been to New York a couple of times and you go to the parks and, and as a tourist, you take, I took my daughter into the parks and on the swings and I noticed that actually there was a lot of nannies and all babysitters oh. there with the kids and they all knew each other. And so, as you said, there's obviously a real community and you sort of, and why not? I mean, there's no reason that you can't go to the same park at the same time and, and have a grown up conversation while the kids run around. Do you see that as part of the way that you're hoping your business is going to sort of propagate through the network is that if you provide a great service and a particular babysitter is loving what you're doing, that they're likely to talk and there's a sort of a grassroots virality with what you're doing? Is that the, is that the plan or have I totally misunderstood my three weeks in New York there? <laughs> no, you're completely right. There are several nannies around New York City. You'll see them as soon as you walk out, whether of the, you know, the airport, the train station, you'll see them. So the babysitter no nanny community is one. We're literally one. We love on each other. Everything that we do, we share tips with one another. We talk to each other every day. We even have nanny and babysitting outings. So it's completely normal. However, with the work that I'm doing, because nannies are more advanced and they received more advanced certifications and they're much older, my target market would be just a babysitters or new babysitters who are just coming in and trying to find their independence and get you know money. And then in addition to that, they're good with kids. So it wouldn't be primarily targeted to nannies as well, but it would just be just for babysitters. That makes sense, especially when you're talking about your positioning and how there's already products in market. Mm -hmm. Better that you carve out a, a really nice niche there in babysitters and make that yours. So so before before babysitters can talk to each other and before you sort of course gets going, you need to obviously get that the course out there, the information, your services, your consulting. So I'd love to talk a bit about what you've done to date to go to market. How have you promoted your services and, and got people to find you? 
so far? It's through my YouTube video. So I started a YouTube channel back in April of 2019 of this year. And to me, I feel like I have a personality. If I'm talking to you, I'm going to give you my all. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the voice, the edits, like everything. So in my YouTube videos, I give you my 100%. There's nothing that's edited. There's nothing that's, you know, that's not normal. It's just all me. So when I feel like when you find someone who you could relate to, who you could speak to as a friend and who you could speak to as a sister, it just makes them want, you know, want to learn more about you. So for example, I advertise my services through my YouTube. I also do Instagram Live. And then I also post my videos to LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn, as I mentioned to you before. I love LinkedIn. I kind of call myself the babysitter of LinkedIn. So with LinkedIn, you know, my market is a bit different because those are parents on LinkedIn. However, I just do videos. I feel like my personality sells through videos and also pictures. So right now it's just through those channels. And then also talking to babysitters one-on-one, -on -one, whether I see you, you know, walking in the supermarket or, <laughs> or just meeting, like seeing you at an outing, you know, for example, at a park. I love that. That's that's the hustle. That's the hustle part that mm -hmm. just gets the first people over the over the line. But just looping back down to YouTube. So when you do these videos, what do you put, like what's your inspiration for your content and what's been working for you specifically on those videos on YouTube? Sometimes my inspiration would be less, for example, let's just say I was shooting a YouTube video today and I just came from babysitting last night and I, you know, I had a situation with the baby yesterday. I, I would talk about it on my YouTube channel, like, okay, guys, this is what you should do when the baby's a bit fussy and doesn't want to go to sleep. You know, so that I'll get my inspiration just from my personal experiences. Or if I have babysitters who approach me with several questions and I see that they're the same questions, I'll do a video on that as well. I love the idea of doing a video from the moment, like as, you, as soon as you get home after having that mm -hmm. experience, because it's going to be really raw, it's going to be fresh, and it's, mm -hmm. there's going to be some real passion and emotion there. It's not going to feel contrived like you're making it up. It's like, this happened to me today, guys. I'm sure it's happened to you too. So great what's the what was the one i guess of of your youtube videos i don't know how many you've done sorry i didn't find your youtube channel my mistake what's been the video that's worked the best for you and why do you think that's been the case it would be how much to charge it would be how much to charge. right i feel like money is straight down to the money the business <laughs> exactly money is such a sensitive topic but everyone needs it right <laughs> you need mm. it to live so yeah it was how much they should charge and the responses i've gotten from that it's insane people will just email me or you know go in the comment section below and just write a message like hey i babysit in arkansas and i charge like seven an hour is that too little you know or currently i babysit for four children and the parents only pay me 20 a day you know stuff like that and i always tell them you know i give them my honest 100 percent you know sometimes i either answer them directly or I personally shoot them an email, they shoot me an email, but I tell them, I'm like, hey, these are the five factors that you need to depend, you know, your rate on and don't ever go below that, you know, especially for starting out and depending on your age too, because I feel like the younger you are, the more easier it is to take advantage. And that's something I don't want for my babysitters. So yeah, so just being raw and giving it my yeah. 100%. I find that really interesting. I, having always had a professional sort of job and salary, talking about, you know, and I guess it was sort of the way I was brought up, but you don't talk about income. You don't talk about what you earn because that's rude. That's not polite. Mm -hmm. And, but then I, I married into a, a family of, of artists, of actors and singers okay. and, and stage people. And they openly talk about how much money they make. Like not, not in a crass way, like in my head, but they kept, they just talk about, oh, I made this much or they're offering this. And, and I would just sit there really awkward and think, oh, how can you have this conversation? And then my brother-in-law explained to me really clearly one day, he said, look, if we don't talk openly about it, we don't know if we're being ripped off. We don't know if we're getting the right rate. And so actors 
talk, you know, singers and performers talk to each other because if they don't do that, how do they know if they're in the right rate? And I think it comes from the fact that it's not standardized. It's not normal. And so what you just said then really resonated with me because it's the same thing. There's not, I mean, there's like a minimum wage, but it's not always going to be done through the books. So, you know, it needs someone like you to jump out there and say, hey, this is fair. This is right. This is what you should be asking for. And it gives, I guess it gives people that confidence to sort of either ask for more or think, actually, I'm on a pretty good deal here, so I'm going to stick with it. So I, I wonder if that's a trend that's true of a lot of different industries where, you know, minimum wages or rate and salaries aren't published. So I, fi- I find it quite intriguing that, you know, you've that's the video that's worked for you because I think it correlates well with theatre and acting and probably a bunch of other industries where salaries aren't that well known. So yeah, it makes sense. And I guess the other thing too is it, again, it reaffirms you in that position of power, that position. I don't mean power in a negative way. I just mean like authority. Mm-hmm. You're in that position of authority and trust. So I can see that works really well for you. I almost wonder whether it'd be worth you know, yeah, like coming up with standard rates and sort of suggested prices and, you know, all the different variables you spoke about. Is it a full day? Is it, you know, is it part-time? Is it late at night? Is there four kids, two kids? Is there travel? I'm guessing these are all factors you've got to consider, right? Yes, yes, definitely. One of the five factors that I say to determine your rate is the minimum wage in the state that you currently live in, your educational background, any type of trading or certificates you've received in the past, your experiences, also your references. So those are all factors that you should put into effect when determining your rate. And the reason being is because, you know, you want to go into a babysitting situation or a babysitting gig or even an interview before you even accept the position, knowing that, hey, this is my rate and I'm not going to go below it. Because you have to also be authoritative when, you know, determining your rate because you need information to back it up. Right. So if you come into a situation and say, hey, my rate is $20 an hour, you know, the parents are going to want to see why. And that's a, that's when I always mention, hey, make sure you have your certificates and your training. If you have previous experiences, never go below the minimum wage ever in the state that you live in or the country that you live in. To me, I just feel like that's not the way to go, especially if you're good at what you do. When you're good at what you do, your your work speaks for itself. Yeah, I think it's always it's always better to to go at the higher end. I think if you end up cheap, no matter what what happens, if you end up pricing low to get work, you end up getting the worst work, mm-hmm. you know. And you really want to be you'd you'd rather have or well, I would rather have a higher expectation of me and try to work up to that than just always be feeling like I've shortchanged myself and everything's cheap. And let's be honest, I mean, it's parents and their kids. You'd like to think that they're not going to go for the cheapest price. Exactly. <laughs> So let's cast our minds forward a little bit. Let's get into next year. So you've got the course, things are starting to work. Where do you imagine, Are you? is your plan to try to keep scaling the business through organic, so non-paid sort of social media and engagement? Or do you hope to add a, a paid media string to your bow and start to actually sort of promote your YouTube videos, your Instagram, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, and actually start to work on a cost of acquisition? Well, I'm happy that you actually mentioned that question. The reason being is last week, I t- did this for the first time, I promoted one of my posts. And it was to talk about my babysitting consultation services. And, you know, something told me, you know, just try to promote this and see where it goes. I invested about $10 into promoting it just to see how it went. And this was my first time doing it. I made sure I had like a good story to tell. It was anywhere from 150 to 200 words. And the picture, the visual that I had was very appealing. So I kind of wanted to see where it goes. That was my first time doing it. And I thought it was okay. You know, this was my first time 
maybe if I do it more often in different social media platforms, I'll get a different response like LinkedIn or YouTube or Facebook. But right now everything is done organically. For the new year, that is something I would look into. However, for the new year, I'm also working with different partnerships as well to kind of expand the babysitter guru. So hopefully it grows from there just organically and trying to partner with different brands and different companies instead of promoting it if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Look, I, for what it's worth, I wouldn't be spending money on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is still an organic reach network. I think you can still do brilliantly on LinkedIn without having to pay. And when you pay on LinkedIn, you've actually got to promote through a company page, which loses all of your personality, right? So right. we need, you know, your face front and center. So, you know, for your non-requested, my advice when you didn't request it is I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be, but I would be putting some paid money behind Facebook. I think Facebook is one of the best ways to spend small amounts of money and and there's a chap dennis Yu, who i'm going to totally misquote here but he's got a strategy that is it's a dollar a day and his idea is that every post you do on facebook you should be promoting it to your target audience for one dollar his recommendation is one dollar for seven days but the idea is you spend the dollar because it's the minimum right Mm -hmm. and then you do it to all your posts and then you have a look at those posts you see which one performed the best and then you Mm -hmm. put more money behind that one so it's Mm -hmm. a way to make and a couple of reasons is one, if you don't promote on Facebook, it's really hard to get any reach because Facebook now is just saturated with posts and content. Mm-hmm. So you need to put a little bit of money behind it. But his idea is you, know, you put the dollar behind all the posts, look at which one gets the most amount of reach and engagement or whatever metrics you want to measure by, and then just cram it back and say, okay, that post on pay you know, recommendations, that's the best post I've got. I'm going to put $10 behind that one. And so you're backing your winners rather than your losers and you get much better bang for your buck, so to speak. So, you know, if, if I was going to recommend to you spend any money via Facebook and then try to keep it organic on YouTube, Instagram and LinkedIn until you're like really scaled and you feel super confident. Well, thank you so much for that information. I'll definitely look into that, especially for my post for next week as I'm planning it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So what's been the biggest hurdle you've hit so far when it comes to, to this business? What, what What's the thing you sort of run into and gone, oh, that didn't work at all. And I wish I wish I hadn't wasted the time or I wish I had have known that before. Do you have any sort of uh, lessons learned advice you want to give to anyone who's listening? Yes. Actually, when people first learned about the babysitter guru, they thought I was an agency. So I spent a lot of time trying to tell everyone, I'm like, hey, I'm not an agency. And the reason being, because I feel like this is something so new and so intriguing and people become curious about it that when they hear the babysitter guru, what's the first thing that comes to your head? Okay, babysitting. She's probably a babysitter. And that she probably pairs parents with babysitters. You know, there's nothing beyond babysitting and parents, you know, and I'm trying to change that aspect of it. So telling people, hey, I'm not an agency, but I'll be your go-to babysitting expert. You know, when have you ever heard of a babysitting expert? (laughs) This is like the new, (laughs) this is something new. So yeah, so that's something that I've had a huge hurdle with. And there are still parents who come to me like, hey, can you help me find a babysitter? And I tell them like, you know, I'm not an agency. (laughs) I can't fear you, but I can assist you. I could let you know like the tips and tricks and the questions that you should ask your babysitters during the interview process, I could help you with that. But in terms of pairing, that's not something that I do. I'm trying to do something different, trying to revolutionize, you know, the whole caregiving world, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Just a small thing. Yeah. (laughs) Just a small thing, you know, nothing big. (laughs) Do you know, and and 
And I don't think that problem is unique to you in any way, shape or form, because it's it's a classic positioning problem where people sort of race to go, they look at you and look at the website and the business and straight away go, oh, it must be what I already know. So people sort of frame things by their reference points they've already got. And so they look and go, well, you're either a babysitter or you're a matchmaking service. So they're the two things I know. So which one are you? And that's why that positioning at the start has got to be really clear. And it's like, yeah, no, actually, I'm something new. Pay attention to me. So I love that. The way you said it too reminded me of, is it Super Nanny, who I think was the British? nanny and she yes, was the no. yeah, show, yeah. <laughs> have you seen is it only in i think it's only britain i don't think i mean it probably has made it across to the u.s now too so but she was always she was always a little bit nuts i always thought she was a bit full on but hey what do i know maybe my kids are lovely so i loved her i actually used to watch her episodes years back they used to play her episodes on tlc so yeah it's a couple of years ago brilliant so look, if people want to follow your journey and sort of find you online, you've said you're on LinkedIn. I think we've covered Instagram, there's YouTube. What are the best places to find your content to see and watch how you're expanding your business? Sure, definitely LinkedIn. I update everyone. I kind of call them my LinkedIn family on everything that I do, whether it's to a podcast like this one, um, my speaking engagements, any type of hurdles I experience. So LinkedIn for the parents in particular, or YouTube. If you want to see a personality, go to my YouTube channel. <laughs> if you want to hear me talk and see my face, go on my YouTube channel. Instagram, I do anywhere from engaging with my fellow nannies. You know, I have a lot of nannies on Instagram. Instagram is like little snippets, tips and here and there on Instagram. And then Facebook, it's the same information that I have on my Instagram gets transferred to my Facebook. Facebook is a bit more cleaner and everything regarding like visuals and you know tips here and there also on my facebook page brilliant well i'll um include your links you've sent them all through to me in email so i'll make sure i'll put them in the show notes so if people want to like swipe up in the episode on an iphone or whatever device you're using um hopefully with some links you can click through to them now and, and check out some of the social media goodness that's there but Hassan too thank you so much for your time i really enjoyed chatting with you and i wish you all the best of luck with your course creation and launch early next year thank you so much Gerard. i certainly appreciate this opportunity of speaking with you And I look forward to staying in contact. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.